Let's get ready to podcast. Welcome in Team Rental Podcast. Steven here with Chris. Chris, how's it going? As as I say, it's all good in the hood. All good in the hood, Steven. The originally coined term by Chris Ludwig, all good in the hood. Yeah. No one's ever said that. No one's ever put those words together before. <laughs> Quite in that uh, exact uh, placement. Here at Him Jarball, we like to steal other people's work. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Plagiarism is probably the, the thing that keeps me up at night the most. Same here. <laughs> uh, let's. I want Before we get into talking about. Michigan, this game, uh, this past weekend. I want to go around the rest of the Big Ten here, talk about those two very kind of uh, kind of crazy and important games in the uh, Ohio State at Iowa schlacking and the uh, Michigan State taking out Penn State. Well, let's uh, let's just kind of open it up here, uh, Chris. Did you watch both of those games, kind of following the scores? Yeah, actually, I, I was flipping from channel to channel and and really. Uh intently watching and I was obviously superly surprised uh superly is not even a word I'm super surprised um by the Iowa outcome I, they just looked like they were phenomenal and I, I I tell people all the time that Kinnick Stadium is a weird stadium let's take last year for example Michigan just seemed to not be able to move the ball whatsoever and just the right things seemed to happen last year and this year against Ohio State Iowa just looked, at times, just unstoppable. And, um, you know, Dave Gennaro, who's, who's a, a co-worker of ours. Yeah, he's a big Ohio State fan. And he's, he said, oh, we're going to schlub him. And it'll be kind of close because it's Kinnick Stadium. And I said, I don't know, man. Kinnick Stadium is always tough to play. Michigan always struggles there, and weird things happen. And sure enough, that's what happened. As for the Michigan State-Penn State game, I think there's a, a mix of both. I've always held on to the, the, the opinion that James Franklin is still a very overrated coach, and I think it, it showed right there in that game. Not that you shouldn't give any credit to Michigan State. They played a pretty pretty solid game for what they um, – it seems like Dan Antonio always gets the most out of his players. It looked like that there, and, and it looked like Penn State, who I think should be beating that team, just didn't, just underperformed, and I think that goes back to coaching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then let's raise that. Is this more? Uh, is this more good Michigan State or is it more bad Penn State? <sighs> I'm gonna say it's more bad Penn State, but I, I hate to do that to the Michigan State team too. Uh, again, you know that. Um, you know, obviously Michigan State's not my favorite team to root for, and I don't want to take away from them because they have to go out there and still perform. Um, but I have to say that Penn State, based on. Again, I, I still think Michigan's defense is a better defense than Michigan State. Not that Michigan State's defense is a schlub either, but you know, it. I think overall, you got to look at that at that game and say, well, Penn State, I think underperformed. They didn't have the play calling that they they had for sure against Michigan, and uh, you know, it it they they got beat. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, and that kind of erases uh, the question for this week because we've got another big-time matchup here. Michigan State going down to Columbus. I mean, who are you going to root for? That's the the, uh, the tough choice every year 
uh, when both teams look like they can contend for the Big Ten title, you know, who to root for between the two. Uh, in recent years, I would say my dislike for Michigan State really has grown. Um, and mainly probably just because of the Michigan State fans we encounter on a daily basis around here. And we don't really encounter too many Ohio State fans besides DG. But, uh, you know, who are you rooting for this weekend? Who do you want to see win that game? Well, I'm always gonna I'm gonna ask what how's the weather gonna be that that week? If it's gonna be nice and rainy, I'm gonna give it to Michigan State. I think Michigan State will win it. But if it's anything with decent weather, I still think Ohio State is just too athletic, especially on the offensive side. They just have so many weapons, uh, and I think Urban Meyer will get his his guys a little more pumped up for this game, coming off a loss. So I predict that Ohio State will win this. Um, I mean, obviously, I think it's better to root for Ohio State at this point, isn't it? Because Michigan still can beat them out and still has a better chance, right? Because Michigan State has only one loss, and they have two. They do have two, Northwestern and Notre Dame. Right? Yeah. Well, no, that's, I said only one in the Big Ten. So kind of, I guess you have to hope for um, Michigan State to lose, right? And Penn State to lose. So Michigan can ha- kind of stay in there. But if I really had to pick on a personal level and not helping Michigan, I'd still stay state. I will never root for Ohio State, right? But Yeah, I mean, it's it's become a very tough question because uh, you don't want to see either of them win. I'm the of the belief that I don't like seeing teams that I feel aren't the best in their division or aren't the best in their conference win their conference. Uh, a little bit like Penn State last year. I don't think Penn State was the best team last year. They ended up getting through mainly because of what Michigan did down the stretch and kind of faltered. Uh, and then they went on their own run and took out Ohio State and, and other teams. But uh, I think if, if something were to happen where Michigan State were to go through, I really don't think they're the best team in their division, um, let alone the conference. And I, I would just, I really wouldn't want to have to listen to that for another year. At least with the Ohio State, you know, we're kind of used to it. You know, it sucks that we're used to them having success, but, uh, you know, I just don't I don't want to go through another offseason talking about how Michigan State got it done with, uh, you know, coming off a 3-9 and nine year and Michigan didn't get it done and, and things like that. But uh, so I am, I'm hoping Ohio State wins this weekend because, it mathematically leaves Michigan at a chance, even though it's kind of a far shot. Uh, do you want to go over what the tiebreak scenario is? Do you know what it is? Well, obviously it comes down to your record then, and then after that it depends on how many teams are there, and then it goes head-to-head, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Michigan's still a, a long shot for this, and, um you know, I, again, I don't. I, to be honest, I still don't think they they get it this year. I think there's, there's still a loss on the horizon with either Wisconsin or Ohio State, and maybe they can win even one of them. And it's a possibility they even lose two of those. So I don't want to get too excited about it. But it's just nice to be in the hunt still. That's the nice thing is that already a couple weeks ago when when the second loss happened, it was kind of a downer where everyone was jumping, you know, jumping ship basically and saying, oh, net another season and Harbaugh's not doing well, and well, we're, we're right back into it. I mean, we're long shots, but still have a chance, and we kind of still hold our destiny to a point. Still got to win out. So, yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, there's still uh, there's a lot to uh, to transpire here, and we'll, we'll see what the conversation is after next weekend, um, if anybody takes another loss and things like that. But it's, uh, 
It's interesting. Uh, what do you, what's your opinion on having the Big Ten East the way it is and having all those good teams inside it? And I was talking to somebody yesterday saying that I don't think there's ever going to be a year in history where the Big Ten West is stronger on average than the Big Ten East. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen in, in, in the playoff game, you know, the Big Ten bowl game, um, where maybe you got a, a team that's underrated on the West part of the, of the Big Ten, but then they can still win out. But I think you're right. I think it's, it's really – well, I mean, we really have like what four or five really strong teams, and then you have very, you know, two very weak teams with Maryland and Rutgers as well. So I mean, you got to kind of balance it out a little bit. Where I think the West, I think it's a well, you know, you do have Illinois and Purdue there as well. So I guess it does kind of balance out. But to to go back to your point, yes, I think that's you know, I think the Big Ten East will always be the stronger side, and unfortunately for the West, or I guess it's fortunately for them, they have a better chance of getting you know to the to the Big Ten bowl game, or the Big Ten uh, conference championship, I should say. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer, unless Nebraska, you know, returns to glory here and Iowa starts, you know, being top ten, top five each year. I decide it's going to be easier for the Wisconsins and for maybe the Iowas to make it to the Big Ten championship each year. Well, that's fine. It's, you know, for those schools, I... I I kind of have a a secret love. I shouldn't say love. A, a, a fatuation with Wisconsin. I always find how they win, to, you know, football games still pretty fascinating. They're very old school. Obviously, they got those big bodies um, from Wisconsin. They're usually the, like the whole offensive line is basically Wisconsin born, and you know they still run it down your throat. I just kind of find that a fascinating team in general. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. We'll see the here. Uh, well, Michigan's playing them in two weeks here, so we'll get to talking about them a lot uh, coming up here soon. Uh, let's go into that Michigan-Minnesota game. Uh, obviously, uh, a little weird with the hour, almost hour rain delay. Uh, just really crappy weather across the state here. Um, what was that final score again? What was it, 30, what, 1? 33-10. 33-10. All right, so our predictions were not too far off. I had 31-16. You had 24-13. So Michigan, a little more points than we both thought and gave up a little less than we both thought. Um, how did they look to you? Defenses the last couple weeks has looked average. Because even though Minnesota didn't get as many points, they did kind of drive the ball, and they really did not keep track of the quarterback too often. They really didn't keep the, keep him in the pocket and – Unfortunately, Croft got out and made some good QB runs. I give a little bit of credit to him as well, but the defensive line's got got to stay in their lanes a little a little bit better. Uh, um, overall, it's a good defensive unit, though. You know, overall and offensive. I'm, I mean, offensive side of the ball, it's hard to not talk about the running game. I mean, period. I mean, it's obviously it's pretty blatant. Um, Peters didn't have to do much, which is kind of good. Um, the few throws. He made a, he made a couple bad throws I should say but he looked he looked the part at least and uh, you know obviously that that offensive line I, I don't know how much to take look into it to, as well though I mean are they that great that they're you know going to be this running juggernaut for the next couple of weeks or are they just is it, is it just because we're playing Minnesota 
you know, and I, I think that's kind of uh, a mix of both. Maybe there's some improvement going on in the season, but I still think it's we're playing inferior opponents. So we'll see when we're playing Wisconsin and Ohio State how good this offensive line is. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a perfect storm, you know. Even it was kind of storming on Saturday, but it was. Uh, I think Minnesota came in, you know. PJ Fleck got those guys energized, ready to go. But you know, I've seen him now the past five years when I was at Western. Uh, I could kind of tell that he was expecting that that game could maybe get out of hand a little bit, and was trying to keep his emotions in check. He did some of his, you know, normal stuff, you know, running down to the other side of the field at, at the end of the quarters. And uh, I just I got the sense from him that he thought his team was really going to be in trouble and, and his quarterback in trouble. And at times he looked good, and, and there was that one drive where um, their running back pretty much just ran for six, seven yards each each down and then ran into the end zone really easily. And I was a little frustrated with that. But yeah. besides that, the rest of the game, I think Michigan's defense did a pretty nice job. Um Khalid Hudson had the seven and a half. You know, it was six and a half initially. I think they bumped it up to seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, just a monster game. I had texted you, said he was making Peppers-like plays, which might be a little of an overstatement, but he was making uh, you know really nice tackles in the backfield and, and making nice reads. And, and that one uh, fumble he caused is a real nice play because he got it blocked initially, and then he ran him down. And that's good to see out of him. Uh I mean, just a really a good performance. Talk about the offense. Um, do you think that the game, I, I heard someone describe it as a little bit like a high school game. Because they were running the ball so well, they really didn't throw it much. Uh, I got the sense that their passing plays for the first you know three quarters were taking too long to develop, and the line couldn't block for them, and Peters were taking these you know big hits in the pocket. Uh that being said, I wanted them to continue throwing there at the end. You know, the game was pretty much over. I would have liked to have seen a few deep shots. Well, what's your uh, opinion on the offense there? Do you think we should have seen more throws? It's tough to talk about because, again, we don't know what Harbaugh's doing. Is he is he keeping his playbook tight to the chest? Is he not going to open it up as much? I agree with you. I think this offensive line, while we're pretty good at run blocking, I think we're an adequate run blocking team to maybe above average. But when we get into those teams where, you know, they're better at blocking or they're coming, you know, the team is getting nine people in the box, we don't have that, that passing game right now. And um, I agree with you. I think a little bit is some of these plays are, are too too long developing and, and, and we're not getting enough check downs as quick. And, again, that might I've talked about this probably about three, four weeks ago with Pep Hamilton, maybe just not the best fit for this offense, you know, maybe we need a little bit more of um, uh, like a West Coast offense, which uh, kind of checks the ball down a little more, um, plays that aren't, you know, five-step drops. Maybe that'll help out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think uh, it's got to be a point of emphasis going into this weekend. They need to throw the ball a little bit more and get Peter some more reps uh, if he's going to be our starting quarterback going into the last couple weeks of the season, uh, you're just, we're just not going to beat the Wisconsin's and the Ohio State's by running the ball. We might be able to beat Maryland by just strictly running the ball, but you're not going to beat the Ohio State's and, and the Wisconsin by doing that. So 
we got to get him some reps, and I'd like to see one deep ball thrown, uh, even if it's picked off. I just want to I want to get a look at how his deep ball looks. You know, Spade throws a pretty good deep ball. Uh, didn't really get a chance to see it with O'Corn. I don't think he connected on even one. Uh, let's see Peters, you know, send a guy deep. I know uh, we're a little bit depleted offensively in that, um, you know, we have some of our deep threats hurt. Uh, Perry's hurt. Of course, Black's out for the, you know, probably the year. Um, what was that one? Uh, Eubanks. Nick Eubanks looked like he might be a uh, deep threat going this year. I know he's been hurt for a while, so I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it's Collins. Maybe it's People Jones. Somebody. Maybe it's McDoom playing that Jeremy Gallon type role. You know, send somebody deep and let's uh, let's see him air it out. No, I agree. I like to see the see the armies. You know, coming out of high school, he was scouted as having a pretty big arm, and let's see it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, all right, I got a couple qu questions for you here. Uh, before we get into a game that I'm very excited to play, but don't know anything about. <laughs> uh, so, Karan Higdon, second straight 200-yard performance, picked up Big Ten Offensive Player, Co-Player of the Week with uh, Chris Evans. Uh, really running the ball well, looks like a real back now. I feel like he's spent a lot of time uh, in the weight room just kind of shaping himself into looking like a real you know, Big Ten running back. Uh, is he better than Davion Smith at any point in his career? Oh, yeah, period. I think he got a little more quickness. Davion Smith, don't get me wrong, the only thing that he is still a better is breaking tackles. I mean, the guy, it seemed like he couldn't move to save his life, but when he hit someone, he took them back another two yards. So other than that, though, uh, I think – Higdon has much more upside than Devion Smith. Not not that Devion wasn't a great asset to Michigan, especially um, the last few years of his career. But um, no, you got to give it to Higdon. He just looks the part. He's speedy. I wouldn't say he's. I always kind of compare him to Wadley from Iowa. I think Iowa or Wadley's a little more talented than Higdon, but I think, I think overall they're they're pretty comparable players. A little more shifty. Um, I think Higdon runs a little bit meaner than Wadley, but Wadley's got that nice quick cuts, and Higdon has a little bit of that in, in him as well. Yeah, I think this is our first real taste of getting to see Higdon with first uh, first running back snaps. Now, he was third all last year, and second and third this year up until the last few games. And I think you just got hats off to the guy. It's a guy to be uh, excited for if he comes back next year. I'd like to think he's coming back next year. I think it maybe a little bit depends on uh, how he finishes out this year. But uh, I, with a re mostly returning offensive line, he's going to have, you know, we can be excited about our running back, and we kind of have a known commodity for the first time in a while. A known commodity that's good, because I guess we knew what we had in Davion Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and like, like I said, he was uh, a guy that last minute signed. He was actually committed to Iowa. And last minute, we picked him up, and, you know, he's he's been a great asset for our team for the last three years. For sure. Um, can you, you know, I'm digging to your archives here. Uh, do you think he's the best running back we've had since Mike Hart? Anybody been better since then? No. I think he's been our, he's been our best back. I think Evans from last year showed some glimpses. Um 
but just didn't have a complete year. I think this is the best that we've had since Hart because if I had to pick a second, it would be probably Fitz Toussaint, obviously that 1,000-yard season he had. Um, and obviously I would love to put Denard in there because he really was basically a running back in a quarterback shoes. Um, you know, So I would say yes. At this point, he's the most complete player we've had. All right, fair enough. And one more question for you. Um, rumors are that Wilton Spade has been slowly getting back to practice, and his dad had said a few weeks ago that Maryland was the what they are aiming for to get him some snaps. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this week. I think he's just kind of getting back to light practice. But uh, if he is healthy and able to go later down the stretch this year and say Peters isn't hurts, Peters is also ready to go, you know, who do you go with? Do you go with a spate that hasn't played in a few weeks and is coming off an injury? Or do you go with Peters, who has been your quarterback for, you know, three, four games now? Ah, that's a tough one. Um, I think it really comes down to what you see in practice, and obviously we're not there to see those practices. Um, but I, just going off the cusp, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they stick with Peters. I I, I don't know why. I, I think I'm I'm just basically doing a coin toss at this point with that decision. But I just think they'll stick with him because it's just he won the job and, and whatnot. I think I think it's really hard to to get a quarterback, if it was a, you know, broken finger or something smaller, but I mean, would they say three or four cracked vertebrae or something like that? Something like, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad, I think. So, and luckily the doctors, I just read the report um, of the presser from Harbaugh saying that it was amazing how quickly he's been recovering. So, which is a good thing, but I don't know. I think they just kind of keep them. I think maybe for, for backup duties or something like that. Um, just because he's coming back, and it does take you time to get back into football shape. So, yeah, it's just a coin toss, though. I really, I'd like to say I had a little more of an opinion on this one, but this one's tough for me. Fair enough. I, I, I agree question. with you. Good I question. Th- it's a, uh, it'll be a tough choice, and I don't think Spade's going to be healthy enough. And it'd be throwing him out there in the lion's den if you had just threw him out for the Ohio State or the Maryland or the Wisconsin, Wisconsin. game. So, yeah. Uh, I think we see Peters as long as he stays healthy and, and looks okay. Uh, I heard you have a game for us, first time new game that I asked you to prepare. Uh, go ahead, lay it on me. <laughs> so you were mentioning all the injuries that had you know, occurred this season, and you kind of touched on a few, but um, and there's plenty of them, but obviously Spate, Tariq Black, the wide receiver, Grant Newsom, our left tackle, Donovan Jeter, defensive tackle, Nick Eubanks, tight end, Ty Isaac, um, and Michael Unwayne, you um, Wheatley, um, Walker, I mean, Grant Perry. I mean, that actually is another three or four on that list. So we are actually pretty injured right now. This is probably one of the, um, one of the most, uh, out of the seasons I've been really covering Michigan football, it's probably the most injuries I've seen, um, you know, this many, uh, at this time of the season. And, um, so the game I'm playing is, <laughs> is it all good in the hood? And, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so the question is, I'm going to give you a player, and I'm not going to give you a star player on the team. Because obviously if Rashawn Gary went down or someone that was really big on the team went down, obviously it's it's tough. It's hard for depth for the depth chart. But I'm going to pick a player that is very serviceable, but there's maybe a position that has some depth to it. And if they go down, 
is it good in the hood where we still have the depth or is it not good in the hood? Oh, okay. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start off with your buddy, McEwen, the tight end. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, are we okay? Well, I think he's been our best tight end this year. I will say we are good in the hood because I think that it's one of those next man up type things. And because we have our basically new guys in Gentry and McCune being our best two tight ends, you know, we'll see a bunting or a, you know, a, hopefully a healthy Wheatley get back in there and, and start to be productive again. Okay. I'm with you on that. I think that will be all right just because it's such a, a, a nice stable of, of tight ends there. It'll be missed, but uh, I think we'll be all right. All right, so the next one is Josh Metellus, the safety. I'm going to also go with good in the hood. Uh, I was high on him earlier in the year. He's starting to look like kind of our weak link uh, back there, getting beat a few different times. And, you know, he got kicked out of the game. Right, I don't know if it's rightfully so, but, you know, we weren't down on the field hearing what they were saying back and forth. But uh, he's looking like, you just kind of stumble a little bit here, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I'm saying good in the hood because I think that there's freshman talent behind him that we haven't got to see a ton of yet uh, that I think is pretty darn good. Um, plus, I, I kind of think he's becoming a little bit of a liability anyway, so you know, it's not like he has that position locked down. I'm not sure how much the drop-off is if another player comes in. All right, that's fair, that's fair. Moving on, we got uh, your buddy, guy that you've been, <coughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of both of our buddies, but um, <laughs> uh, I Nordine, wish. <laughs> since, he's, since he's been struggling a little bit this, this past couple of weeks, if Nordine goes down, are we good in the hood or are we not good in the hood? See, this is tough because you really don't know. I guess you have the kickoff guy in Fogue. Um, yeah, he goes down. I, I'd like to think that their kicking chances are just completely done for field goals. Um, but Nordine's missed, what, two extra points in the span of two weeks? So it's not like he's been tearing it up lately either. Uh, but I'm going to say no good in the hood because I think he is the kicker of the future for you. I think he does have that sneaky range. Uh, he can boot the crap out of the ball. Well, I don't expect to see a ton of field goals going forward here. Uh, I I just don't I don't think they have anything really behind him in terms of field goal kicking. Okay. Moving forward, uh, this one is probably if I had to pick one, it's probably our, our highest caliber player. But the only reason I mentioned him is because of the the stable of running backs behind him. But going forward, if Higdon goes down. Is are we okay? Because we still have, you know, Chris Evans. We still have um, Ty Isaac, and we have Kareem Walker. That they were questionable this year or uh, this week, but they're supposed to be coming back uh, in the foreseeable future. So we'll have our three running backs back. Yeah, I know Kareem Walker was dressed to play, but didn't play, and I don't think Isaac was dressed, which I, was probably a smart move. Uh, I'm going to say no good in the hood, even though that there is some depth there. Uh, I think that Higdon getting the majority of the carries and really looking like our best back, uh, we're going to need him healthy if we're going to run on the better teams we play here in the next few weeks. So 
if he's not playing, I don't think we run on those teams. And, you know, it's one of those things where when he's in, the other backs get better looks and better reps because they're coming in on different downs and not having to carry the ball as much. So he's going to be our, our bell cow almost. Uh, and I'm sticking with it. No good in the hood. All right. I'm going to the last one. This one's a pretty good one. I think this was, this was a tough one for me. Um, but you got, obviously, Lavert Hill on one side. I didn't want to take him away because he's in our number one corner, but I wanted to go to David Long, the second corner, who has done a fantastic job this year. But if David Long goes down, what's what's your opinion? I'm going to say no good in the hood there either. Uh, I think he's just he's been a blanket on coverage, really. Uh, both of them have been very good. Uh, I know he haven't played stellar passing attacks, and our best, you know, it's going to be a bigger challenge, you know, the next few weeks. But uh, I'd like to have him in there, and and then have that young talent behind him be um, a little bit protected. I don't want to see Brandon Watson out there a ton. I don't want to see Ambry Thomas getting his first meaningful snaps, really. So I want to see. I'm going to say no good there. I want him healthy. Yep, and I think that's a that that was my one that uh, I think if anyone. I really want David Long in there. Uh, I think that was, um, especially what you mentioned, Brandon, uh, Brandon Watson out there. We've seen that he's gotten picked on. He's made some great plays this year to, to his uh, defense, but he just le- seems a step behind the rest of the guys. And obviously putting Ambry Thomas, a true freshman out there from uh, Martin Luther King. Um, usually those corner positions, being a true freshman, it's really tough to acclimate to the speed of of, of of the game, so uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty spot on with a lot of your assessments there. So I did a real nice job on the first ever. <laughs> is it good in the hood? I like that. We'll have we'll have to re- <laughs> revisit that sometime, uh, along with a, a, a new game. Uh, Donovan Warren or not Donovan Warren? <laughs> okay. But uh, the only reason I say that is because I've been playing NCAA 07 and he's my star cornerback. <laughs> uh, he was good coming out of high school. I mean, uh, that was under the, the Rich Rod era, right? So yeah. I remember him being like really the only guy that was on a team that was worth even looking at, basically. And I think that that year, I think he was the only one that got drafted, I believe. I know there was one year that we only had one guy get drafted, just keeping our Michigan football draft uh, streak alive. Yeah, thank you, Donovan Warren. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a great game. I'm looking forward to playing again sometime. Uh, let's go into MVPs. I think pretty clear offensive and defensive MVP. Uh, go ahead, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with, with Higdon. Um, obviously, Chris Evans right, right there on his um, on his tail for that award. But Higdon, in the you know when it was really when it really mattered, was the guy that that held the rock and, and looked the best. And I thought again, Evans made some great plays out there, but. Higdon had a lot more broken tackles, looked the part. So got to give it to him. Um, you know, a guy that's only 200 yards away from getting another 1,000-yard rush for the first time since Fitz Toussaint. So hope that he can keep that up. On the defensive side, you talked about it earlier. I mean, Clay Hudson, he, he, he really was everywhere. I thought he was very. it was a very comparable game to like the first couple games with Devin Bush. Just seemed to be all around the ball, making uh, wreaking havoc in the backfield. Um Best game of his career, obviously, and hopefully we see a lot more of that in the, in the coming games. Yep, for sure. I, I agree with both of those. I uh, 
I mean, Higdon really just kind of beat up the defense, and I think Evans was able to take advantage of that. Uh, no, good run blocking, though, especially with Unwainu being hurt and Ruiz seeing a lot of extra snaps. Uh, I thought he did a really nice job. At yeah, least, fantastic. At least in run, in run you know, protections and schemes. Uh, and then Hudson, I think, was the, just the easy, obvious standout as far as uh, defensive goes. Uh, fresh face rankings, I got to tell you. You know, we were getting we were getting pretty stale there for a while. Uh, we were mid season where it was just kind of the same thing, and I was like, ah, maybe we won't do this again next year. But uh, I'm, late in the season is when you see things change, and, and maybe it's for the good and for the bad. And I'm glad we stuck with it because uh, the past few weeks has really kind of uh, separated things, and I I was hard pressed to get a number three guy in there this week. Yeah, I uh, I finally got uh, brand, not a brand new list, but I think it looks a lot different from the last couple weeks, and that's uh, pretty exciting. Cause it, like I like I said, and like what you said, or excuse me, what you said, it, it changed. You know, it's they look a lot different um, this week. So, I'm right. start it off. Yeah, go ahead, give them to me. All right, I, I had to go to Clay Hudson, so he moves from the two spots uh, to the one spot. Actually, he was at the one spot last year, but he's got to stay there. He's by far our best player, um, yeah, basically all season for that fresh face. I'm going to put your boy up there. I was uh, <laughs> kind of wondering about it, but Hewen has definitely moved up his list. I kind of, he probably has been right there, and it's just like I, out of discontent for you, I just don't want to put him up there. <laughs> he but, got his uh, first touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I got to put him up there. He's looked great. Um, probably our best weapon uh, other than Higdon on, on the offense. So I got to put him at number two, and I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Long again on, on three. There's a lot of other players I wanted to put in there, but just because of you, you haven't seen the corners get beat too often and, and really get targeted, i got to put Long in there. So those are my three. Great picks. Uh, i got to say I probably would have put Long in there if I didn't forget when I was picking my third spot because uh, I think he'd easily be higher than my three, but it's already written down on my note sheet, so I won't change it. It's too late. Yeah, it's too uh, late. It's in, it's in pencil. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Number one, I have uh, Hudson. I've had him there for a few weeks now. Uh, I think he's kind of separated from the pack. I think he's our our you know rookie, if you want to call him a rookie, uh, who's really separated and, and has kind of been the best out of any of our fresh-faced players. Uh, and then McEwen at two. I had him at two last week. Uh, gets his first touchdown. I really I thought it was a very creative screen pass they threw to him. Uh, it was. It was a great first play. time. I I can really say they've been really creative with their offense this year, uh, and I really like that. I'd like to see some more things like that down the road. Uh, and number three, for the third, you know, for most of this season, I've been rotating a special teams player in there. You know, we had Nordine, and Nordine even got up to one, you know, due to his some yeah, important, unfortunately. importance <laughs> in some of his games. But with a uh, missed field goal, another missed extra point, he. Definitely drops, you know, off, and he was off my list last week. I had the punter, Brad Robbins, who I thought was doing a, a pretty commendable job. Not great, you know. He looked good at his first punt. He dropped it inside the fifteen, I think. Uh, I was impressed by that. And I'm like, okay, okay, Brad, maybe you're gonna move up the rankings again. Uh, and then he hit like two thirty-two yard punts in a row or something like that. So he's falling off. I mean, he's. I don't know if the weather really played an effort into it, but uh, you know, not the booming punts that I'd like to see out of him. I'm going to go with Ambry Thomas, who uh, 
who looks as though he won that kick return job. Looks much better than Crawford. In like the fifth game, Crawford's really kind of disappeared uh, into the abyss here. I I fear that might be the end for him, actually. uh, Because once you disappear in that, it's kind of hard to make your way back up. Uh, And he he looks explosive, and he looks like a guy that maybe by the time next year rolls around might be a a real threat to take one back to the house. Uh, So I'm going to go with uh, Andrew Thomas third, and I think he's going to be a stud cornerback here uh, in the next few years, too. I hope to hope to see. Uh, like I said we get a lot of those corners out of Cast Tech and MLK and a lot of those Detroit schools. It'd be uh, nice to get another another good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, possible All American out of that area in that pipeline. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move into uh, talking about the Maryland game. Uh, DJ Durkin, head coach, doing a, a pretty nice job, getting some nice recruits to go there. Really beaten up by injury. Um, the yeah, fact that Michigan's out of injuries, yeah, yeah they're they're bad, real bad. Uh, quite a lot of quarterbacks have been hurt there this year for this year for them. So uh, they do yeah, have that they're fourth string, aren't they? Fourth string quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they have some uh, some playmakers who can really show off and and might you know bust out a big play because Michigan really is susceptible to big plays um, in that defense. So I do think it's a, a pretty comfortable game. I think Michigan's going to go in there and take care of business. Um, you know, weather dependent. Hopefully, get a nice weather game so Peters can really air it out a little bit more. Um, but I don't even think they need to to win. They could run the ball a bunch and still win. Uh, you know, what's your threat level scale one to ten going into this game? Oh, I mean, you're looking at like a two or three. Um, I like DJ Durkin a lot as a coach. I always have. When he left Michigan, I was kind of bummed. Um, I was kind of nervous about Don Brown, and we ended up obviously getting a really good coach out of Don Brown. But still, really like. Really, really like DJ Durkin. Um, liked his passion on the, on the field. You always got to see him real pumped up about um, pumping up his players and, and getting excited. So I really like him. I think it's unfortunate, yeah, that it, how much how many injuries he has in some pretty vital positions. And unfortunately, that defense is pretty bad this year. Um, they're letting up more big plays than any other team in the Big Ten. And uh, that's not really a DJ Durkin type defense, but I think I do think in about two years here, I think Maryland's going to be, I don't want to say a contender, but they're going to be a team that's kind of like Indiana where they're, they're playing teams really well all the time. And they're going to you know come out with a, a, a six win, seven win, eight win season, a couple time, a couple years in a row where they're actually a threat and you're kind of nervous about them. Kind of like a, kind of like an Iowa from the Western part of uh, the big 10. Um, but yeah, I, I just think this game is going to be pretty, pretty, um, pretty big blowout. To be honest, I think that they're just going to let. Up. I think we're going to see a lot of big plays, and, and you might even see Higdon maybe get another two hundred yard game, and hopefully he gets that thousand yards after this game. That'd be fantastic. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, I'm feeling a lot of the same things you are on that. Uh, what's your score prediction? What's your score prediction? Again, I don't want to let this offense, just because of a good game last week, I don't want to still think that we're going to just totally crush this team either. I don't want to put up 40 or anything like that as a prediction. But I'm going to go with a 31-13 win for Michigan. And the bold prediction of... The day is Higdon will not get 200 yards, but he'll get uh, 120 
and two touchdowns. I'm going to go very similar to what I did last week. <laughs> it's, a, it's a safe bet. Yeah, very similar. Let's go bold. A lot let's, go bold. Very you know let's go bold. <laughs> I say we're going to take one pick six. How about that? Well, let's go a little yeah. bit bolder. Right. We're going to go pick six. Fair enough. I uh, I think Michigan's going to put up a little more points than that. I have them uh, 41 to 10. Uh, I just think that they're really going to – I think they're going to look pretty good and have a nice little momentum going into the next week. Uh, my bull prediction is t- uh, two passing touchdowns from Peters, uh, one long, one kind of short. Uh, and I think we need to see that. You know, I think if we see a game where they go in and they run the ball really well and, and you know, he passes for 100 or less yards, I, I'm not going to like that. I'm, although they can win that way, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see him air it out a little more, and I'd like to see – some yards in the air, and uh, we only time's gonna tell, I guess. But um, I think this is a team that we can actually throw the ball up against. Like I said, they've let up a lot of big plays this year, so I think this will be a team that we can. We'll probably see a little bit more um, open playbook and see some big throws down down the, uh, yeah. down the field. And like I've said before, I really don't mind you know one interception out of him. Uh, I think it'll be almost a good thing if you see him make the right kind of interception and you know, not the you know, making a bad read and throwing it, but, you know, maybe a, you know, deflare, a tipped ball off the receiver's hands or something like that, or he makes a nice read. And I, I, I'm fine with an interception if they let him throw the ball a little more because I think that's what he needs to, if he's going to beat some of the other teams here we play. Yeah. Sorry, I had really <laughs> nothing for you to say on that one. <laughs> I don't know, that, that I, mean, I, there. I was thinking, I was like, oh, okay, that's exactly what I was saying. Okay. All right. Remember, you can, <laughs> you can check out the podcast uh, on iTunes or the Google Play Music Store. Follow us on Twitter at, at Team Rhino Tweets. Uh, what an exciting uh, show and a great game with uh, Is It Good in the Hood today. Uh, I'm going to be thinking that for the rest of the day on <laughs> just the littlest actions I do uh, and if it affects the, the goodness of the hood today. This is true. I mean, we need to think about the hood. What is what are you doing for your hood today? Very true. I'm gonna put some peanuts out in the yard so that squirrels can eat them. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, for uh, for Chris, I was Steven. Thank you. <laughs>